Amen. You can take and open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16 is where we're going to be uh, for the next few moments. And let me welcome you to church. My name is JC. I am the next gen pastor here serving students sixth grade through college. And uh, we are excited that you're here with us uh, this morning. We're in the middle of a series called Our House. And uh, we are taking a look at some of our values that we have here at Connection Church. And uh, Things that uh, we want you to know what we're all about, that you can be part of the family. We have a saying at uh, Connection College that we want this to be your home away from home, and uh, we believe that also for Connection Church, that we want this to be a place that you come and not just sit for an hour on Sunday or on Wednesday night at college nights, but that you belong here. You get connected in a small group, you find community, and uh, we've been walking through these values, and uh, we, I love values. My family, uh, we have some family values at the house that, that are posted on the wall. Sometimes you live by them, sometimes you don't. I mean, one of them's like, we won't fight. That's a lie um, because that's, that's all my kids know how to do, I feel like. Um, but family values are there. It keeps everybody on the same page. It keeps you going towards a same goal. And what I love about this series, talking about our house and uh, my family growing up, uh, we grew up on the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga's campus, right there on Vine Street. I grew up next to the Kappa Sig House. I've been in college ministry since I was seven. Um, learned a lot living next door to them, I can tell you that much. Um, nothing surprises me. Anyhow, um, living next door to them uh, and Tennessee Temple, where I went to school, was right down the road. It, it was nothing out of the ordinary. My family had this great gift of hospitality to walk downstairs in the morning and to see random college students sitting at the dining room table eating breakfast or there at the afternoon studying. I'm like, who, who are these people? What you have to understand about my parents is the first time you came, you were a guest. They showed you around. They were nice. They polite. Second time, you were family. You walked in the door. You knew where the code was. You knew where the hidden key was. Helped yourself to the fridge. If the guest bathroom was full, you could use the master bathroom, right? That's what happens when you're not a guest. When you belong somewhere, you're there. You're family. You just, doors open, come on in and eat, right? That's what we say here at our house. This isn't just a place for an inside group. This is the church. This is the body of Jesus coming together. And when we say our house, man, we want you to be part of Connection Church, be part of the community, get connected uh, with us doing life together. And this morning, the uh, value that I am excited to talk about, it's one of my favorites that I love about this church. We've been here about a year now, and this value is lived out. It's not just taught. It's not just put on the wall. They, we live this value out. And uh, it is the value of enjoying the journey. Enjoying the journey. Because let's be honest with each other in this room, the journey at times gets long. The journey at times can be very frustrating. The journey at times has some bumps in the road. And each one of us sitting in this room this morning are on a, a different journey. Some of them may look similar, but all of us are on a journey. We all have stories, and our stories, we want to intersect with God's story to create something incredible. And I said this Wednesday night, and I want to say it this morning, is that you have survived 100% of your worst days already. That if you're breathing this morning, there's a purpose for your life. 
that God has a plan for you and it's no accident that you're here this morning because I don't know what you've walked into this room with this morning. I don't know what you're sitting on your couch watching this online or later on in the week or whenever you're watching this, but I know that there's circumstances that happen to us in life that we feel chained by the circumstances. We feel like we're never going to find escape. Some of us have walked into this place this morning, you're watching online, you're broken, you're beaten, you're crushed, you're bruised. There's circumstances that have happened to you. There's things that are beyond your control. We live in a place right now, every single human breathing is dealing with this pandemic that we've been in for the last year and a half. Times can feel very dark. Times can feel very bleak. Things can feel very frustrating. And I wanna help us this morning to see through the lens of scripture. I had my eyes checked this week. The doctor was having me focus on certain things and he would throw different lenses up to see where my eyesight was at. And this morning, what I wanna do is throw the lens of scripture at us. Maybe give us a new perspective, a little bit of hope to carry on. Listen, friends, Jesus never said following him would be easy, but he did say that it would be worth it. This life is going to get difficult. There's gonna be some situations that come that we don't understand, but we have one that said he would go through it with us. I have a, I have a real bad problem of watching uh, bad preaching on YouTube. I don't know, it's, it's just something that I find myself doing. I'll turn on YouTube and I'll start watching preaching and then sometimes I get stuck in black holes of preaching that are really, really bad at this. The one that always gets to me are the guys that say, give your life to Jesus. Nothing bad will ever happen to you. Everything will be paid off. All your stuff will be good. You'll never get sick. It's this prosperity type gospel that you give to Jesus. He gives you back. Man, those guys are full of more crap than a constipated elephant. Let me just be honest with you. But what I've learned in this life, at 39 years old, ministry for a long time, dad of a bunch of kids, lived in a bunch of different places, had some good times, had some bad times, is that the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. The more that I fall in love with Jesus, the more that I grow in my relationship with him, it feels like sometimes the days get harder, the circumstances get rougher. But I have a friend that sticks closer than a brother that's going through that with me. He never said following him would be easy, but he did say that it would be worth it. And this morning, I want us to look through the lens of Scripture and see how we can do what Philippians 4.4 tells us. That is to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You have to understand who's writing this. Paul is in prison, the majority of the Scripture that he writes. And he's saying rejoice in the Lord always. You know why? This is a rejoicing that is not rooted in where he's at. This is a rejoicing that's rooted in a reality that somewhere else he has victory. He knows who his hope is in. He knows where his joy is found. The year was 1982. The Badgers of Wisconsin University were playing the Michigan State Spartans, and Michigan State was beating them, kind of like Jacksonville State beat my Seminoles last night. That's all we're gonna say about that, and I heard my son laugh. Um, what happened? Anyhow, um, Michigan State beating the brakes off of the Badgers. 
by like halftime, they were up by like four touchdowns. Second half comes in. People randomly in the stadium were cheering. Their team is getting beat really, really bad, but there's moments of outburst of cheering that's happening in the stadium. What you have to understand is right down the road, the Milwaukee Brewers were playing the St. Louis Cardinals in the 1982 World Series. And so even though their immediate circumstance was very bleak and horrible, right down the road, they were winning. Paul tells us to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. This is a rejoicing that's rooted in a reality. We're responding to something other than our immediate circumstance. Paul and Silas, they had a plan a goal, a dream to take the gospel to this region of Macedonia. But when they got there, instead of having doors wide open and people warmly welcoming them in, man, they faced some opposition, big time opposition. And I love that this story is in scripture because we tend to have dreams and ideas and thoughts about how life is going to go in a phone call a conversation, a circumstance, a decision that's made that has a ripple effect puts us in a totally new trajectory. And sometimes we can push back and grumble and complain and wonder, God, do you even care about me? And what we're going to learn this morning is that Paul and Silas, they were having a good day and then it turned to a really bad day, but they didn't give pushback. They didn't, they didn't grumble, but rather they praised. And I want to jump into this story. If you look in Acts chapter 16, around verse 16 and 17, Paul and Silas are going to a place of prayer and there's a slave girl that's following them. And this slave girl has demons in her. She's a fortune teller. And so her owners use her to make them money. This girl is walking around and she, she says in the end of verse 17, these men are servants of the most high God. They've come to tell you how to be saved. So she's following them around. I find it very interesting that she's opposed yet attracted to the gospel at the same time. The gospel is very attractive. Here she is following them around. She's bothering Paul and Silas. And then you see in verse 18, Paul's a dude. Paul gets frustrated because this girl is annoying him. And so he turns around. My version says exasperated. Some versions say ticked off. He turns around and he casts the demons out of this girl. He says, demons come out of her. She loses her fortune-telling abilities. The people who owned her are very frustrated because their money source just went away. I, I love scripture. It doesn't say that Paul turned around and he was like, oh, daughter of Eve, how blessed art thou. He didn't speak King James at her. <laughs> he said, hey, demon, get out of her. You're annoying the crap out of me, right? And in this moment, he didn't say crap. That's JC paraphrase. Um, in this moment, she is left standing there without these demons in her, without the ability to do fortune telling, and her owners get ticked off at Paul and Silas. And then we see their good day turn to a bad day that gets really worse. Look at verse 24. It says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas. It's getting worse. The city officials ordered them stripped. <laughs> Hello, it's getting worse. They were beaten with rods. Yep, it's bad. They were beaten and then they were thrown into a prison. 
the jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape. Here's what you have to understand about the jailer. This is a probably a very hardened individual. This is a former uh, military man that at his retirement, he was given a prison to take care of. It's like a great retirement gift in this day. And his job is to make sure that these prisoners don't get out, that these prisoners stay where they're at. And so they take Paul and Silas and they put them in the inner prison, the lowest part of the prison. Their bad day, they're beaten, stripped naked, put in stocks in the inner prison. They could have grumbled. <laughs> they had every right to complain. Hey God, we, we're doing your work. We're bringing the gospel here. This is how we get repaid. We're doing what you've asked us to do to bring the gospel to this region of Macedonia. And we're sitting here naked, beat up, bruised, bloodied, in stocks in the middle of this prison cell in the deepest, darkest dungeon part of this jail. They had every right to grumble and complain. I, I believe you and I would do that. Um, we, we tend to complain if the music's a little too loud or if the air condition that blows like a force of an airplane hits you at the right spot if you sit in a certain spot. Like we complain a lot. And none of us are in this predicament where Paul and Silas are sitting here in a prison cell. The mob had just joined against them. But look at what Paul and Silas are doing in verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas sitting in prison. <laughs> They weren't complaining. They weren't protesting. They weren't pushing back. They, weren't, they were sitting in prison singing. I know this is a cute little story that we're like, okay, yeah, that's Paul and Silas next. Man, these are real dudes that were just gone through some horrible stuff that sitting in this prison cell, they didn't grumble or complain. They just sang. In the darkest moments, they begin to cry out because they knew they were surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And so they sang at the top of their lungs. Listen, friends, God is always at work. It might be behind the scenes, but he's doing things you are completely unaware of, but one day you're gonna benefit from. I believe God put Paul and Silas in this prison because look what happens as we move on. It, 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 as you look at the last part of verse 25, it says the other prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas knew they weren't alone. Paul and Silas had a ministry sitting in that prison. Who's watching you go through your pain? Who's watching you go through your storm? Things you go through aren't just for your good or for your bad or because God has forgotten about you. Sometimes he puts you in the middle of it to see how you will praise your way through. Paul and Silas, they had a prison ministry sitting here in this moment. and They didn't push back, but rather they praised because at midnight, the darkest point of night is where PM goes to AM. Paul and Silas knew that weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. They knew that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're made new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. How did Paul and Silas get to a place where they're in a horrible predicament, but they lifted up their voice and sang they had a relationship 
They knew that God was working. They were rejoicing in something other than their immediate circumstance because victory was coming. I love this story because God shows up right on time. He's an on-time God. He may not come when we want him to, but he said he would be there right on time. And maybe this morning you're going through some stuff and you feel like God has forgotten about you. God has forsaken you. God is nowhere near your situation. Can I tell you, he's right on time. We've got to learn to trust him in that. Look at verse 26 though. They didn't just sing praises and the other prisoners heard them. They got the attention of God. Look at verse 26, what does it say? Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake and the prison were shaken to its foundation and all the doors immediately flew open and the train, chains of every prisoner fell off. God inhabits the praise of his people. And I believe in that moment that God just wanted to show up. He just wanted to join their worship service in that prison that night. That's a God sent earthquake. Their praise changed the atmosphere. They begin to lift up a shout of praise in the middle of their circumstance. In the darkest point of the night, they begin to cry out to God. And he showed up. Look what happens though. He didn't just show up. He did it for a purpose. The jailer woke up. He saw the prison doors wide open. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted at him, hey, stop. Don't do it. What did Paul say? Hey, go ahead and do it. You waste of human air, you bigot. No, what did he do? Look what he said. He said, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for a light and ran into the dungeon, trembling before Paul and Silas. Can you imagine what just took place? Darkness, no hope. Two dudes that should have been grumbling and complaining are singing at the top of their lungs. A earthquake. His one job is to keep those guys in prison. And Paul and Silas are now freed he thought everybody was gone, but they realized that there was a purpose to the pain. Paul and Silas realized that there was a purpose for why God was doing this. It was part of God's plan for them to reach Philippi. Listen, friends, the easiest way out is not always the best way out. The best way out is always the way that brings the most glory to God God saves us so we can be an instrument for reaching others. And I love this because we aren't the only ones who benefit from our praise in the midst of pain. I'm going to tell you this morning, life is going to get difficult. We have a friend that said he would go through it. We have a father that knows, he said he's not, uh, that we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. In the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the pain, we need to praise. It's not easy. Protesting and pushing back and grumbling is our go-to. But maybe through the lens of Paul and Silas to learn to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Maybe it's that God has a purpose for the pain that's bigger than us and it involves us putting on display our joy and our trust in him. I don't know what you've walked into this room with tonight, this morning, whatever time it is. I don't know what you've walked in here with. I don't know what you're sitting on your couch struggling with this morning. It may feel pretty dark. 
It may feel pretty bleak. Chase, you can come out and play if you want. I'm done. Maybe in this moment, you're sitting here and you have no hope to carry on. Maybe in this moment you realize that, you know what, JC? Man, I, I, I'm in that moment where I don't understand what God is doing. I feel like God has forgotten about me. I feel like he's overlooked me. I feel like he may have failed me. And maybe it's because of some decisions that I've made. Maybe it's because of some circumstances I put myself in or something that was done to me. And, and you just feel lost. You're wandering around. Maybe it could be that God has a purpose for the pain and that is you putting your joy in him because other people are watching. This jailer, he was saved that night and the rest of his family. Man, I love that. Because joy in the trial, joy in the journey has a ripple effect to those that are around us. Maybe this morning you're kind of in a place that Paul and Silas was that's just dark. It's very lonely. It's very depressing. Maybe you're in a place this morning that you feel like their circumstance. There's no hope to carry on. There's no reason to face tomorrow because the circumstance the right in front of you is absolutely terrible. And maybe this morning, the lens that we can see through scripture is that you can see that God is always at work. And he just wants you to have a different perspective. You see, when the lights go out and it's pitch dark, now listen, we, we pay the light bill around here, but I want us to put ourselves in the darkness like Paul and Silas were, where there's no hope, where we can't see our way around. We don't know what is going on. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We can't find our way. And I wake up in the middle of the night and I have to go to a certain room in the house. I don't have to turn every light on to get there. I know the way. I've got it memorized, right? I know some of you are like, oh, the lights are out. He can't see his notes. I don't have to see them because I've got them memorized. <laughs> I know what's happening in life because there's songs and scripture that God gave me in the daytime that I have in the night, <laughs> Sometimes we go through the darkest nights. We don't feel like there's any hope to carry on. Oh, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. There are moments where it's been so dark that I didn't know how to carry on. That's when God would whisper, hey, renew your strength. Trust me. You will walk and not faint. You'll run and not grow weary. I will put you on wings like eagles. Psalms 27, 14, wait on me, be of good courage. I'll give you strength, wait, I say on the Lord. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because he's with us. You may be in a place that physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally feels like this room right now, dark. You have no hope, there's nowhere to go. Can I tell you this? We don't have to see hope to feel hope. We can trust when we can't track him because God is in control. My great-grandmother, when she, uh, right before she passed away, she was getting up in years and her physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, everything in her life physically was at a midnight point, darkness. We would go there and we saw my great-grandma Groves and as she laid in that hospital bed in her house, 
She hadn't spoken for a few years. She wasn't communicating at all. She was just kind of laying there. And we would gather around her bed. And we would start quoting scripture. We'd start singing songs that she learned in the daytime. That she memorized in the daytime for in the darkness. She remembered and I'll never forget one more. We were there and surrounding her bed and we began to sing. And she started mouthing words and humming along. A tear strolled down her face. It may be midnight. It may be dark. Oh, but she remembered in the darkness what God had given her in the light. And as we sang, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Sing it with me. Thou changest not thy compassion. They fail not as thou hast been. <laughs> Thou forever will be. We would sing, great is thy faithfulness. Help me, Chase. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies All I've needed all I have needed, thy hand it hath provided. <laughs> Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. It was a song she learned in the day that God gave her in the night. And maybe this morning, in the darkness of this room, this is how you feel. There's no hope to carry on. You don't feel like light will ever shine again. Can I tell you that he has come to bring light into your darkness? He's come to give you hope when you have no song. He's come to give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. And maybe in the darkness, what you need to do is just lift up a shout of praise. That doesn't have to be necessarily through singing. Sometimes it's sitting and crying. Sometimes it's praying. Sometimes it's listening. Sometimes it's living your life to where when he speaks, you not only hear, but you know it's him speaking. Maybe it's getting in community. There's some steps that we can take to say yes, to help break the chains that are captivating us. This is not how life is meant to be lived, but it's in these darkest of nights that we have the sweetest of songs. I thank him for the dark times in life. I thank him for the times when I felt like he was saying no because a greater yes was in store. I thank him for the dark times because it's only in the darkness, it's only in the hurt, it's only in the storm that I know he's faithful. And that I can trust him what I've learned in the daytime. And so this morning, we're going to sing. We're going to sing in the dark. 
not looking around, can't see anything around us, we're going to cry out to him. We're just going to lift up a shout of praise right here in the prison of our darkness, of this room. We're going to cry out of how awesome, how good, how holy, how mighty, how worthy he is. As we sing, could this be what it sounded like that night in the prison cell? From heaven above with with other people listening to him. They sang out. They didn't care. Our God is an awesome He knows where you're at. He knows what you're going through. He said, you're not alone. I am with you. Sing it at the top of your voice, church. Our God is an awesome God. Yes, he is. From heaven above with 